Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. It is here. The regular season is right around the corner. I cannot believe it. The summer is officially over. Preseason done. Training camp has come to a close. And now the next thing on the list for the Thunder is going to Chicago to open up their regular season against the Bulls. Year number 16 of Thunder Basketball is upon us. This is the best, most exciting time yeah. of the season. You just... There's so much endless possibility right now. We really don't know what this team is going to look like, how they're going to take shape. We've got some good evidence. We have some educated guesses that we can make. But until that ball gets rolled out there and these guys really start playing 48 minutes night after night, uh, we really don't know. And that's such a, a fun and exciting journey that this team is going to be on throughout the course of the year, too. And we learned so much during preseason. We saw some new things we haven't necessarily seen before. Lends to a lot of excitement going into Wednesday's game against the Bulls. But before we get into that, we're going to wrap up a little bit from what we saw in this last game of the preseason against Detroit and Tulsa. Then stick around because we got to get you ready for the regular season to hear from the one and only Shea Gilgis Alexander. We have an interview with him later in the podcast, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Speaking of Shay, we're going to open up this podcast with a fun game that we like it. to call You Can Shay That Again. Well, because it's Shay, I got to start with the guy whose name is this game is named after. As, as you would, yes. And it was a great quote yesterday from practice uh, when Shea Gilgis-Alexander, first of all, he spent 30 extra minutes on the floor mm -hmm. working one-on-three drills. So there were three coaches that he was going up against, and he was working on these really cool drills where, like, he would basically try to split a double team as, like, a help defender would come over from the elbow. And then he was having to then deal with, once he got into the lane, uh, another help defender who was one of the Thunder assistant coaches who is holding this big mallet <laughs> that had a pad on the end of it, uh, waiting eagerly to either try to whack the ball or maybe even whack Shea. I'd love to have that yeah. job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but really, like, simulating what he was going to have to deal with in a game mm -hmm. once he broke down an initial defender and a help defender comes over from one side and then a help defender comes over from the back line anyway. So, this is classic Shea, last guy on the floor, doing what it takes to be great. And, you know, then when his media session afterwards, he was asked about, you know, how have you been able to embrace, you know, being in this lead on ball role, but understanding that uh, there are many times throughout the course of a game where it's better for you and for the team for you to be in a more of an off ball capacity, you know, having guys like Josh Giddy or, you know, Kaysen Wallace or Trey Mann or Jalen Williams, like have opportunities to play make. And he told this great story and he delivered a quote that went, if Michael Jordan has to do it, so do I. And such great humility. <laughs> the setup was that, you know, he had been watching The Last Dance, which mm -hmm. all of us remember came out um, during the COVID quarantine times of 2020. And so there was an opportunity for him to kind of really reflect on that. And during one sequence of, of The Last Dance, it was really this, this chance where Michael Jordan recognized, hey, I'm scoring 30 plus points a night, but I need to get these other guys involved and they need to be able to play make for me with inside the triangle offense. And so Shea kind of put all that into context of like, hey, this, I have the humility to recognize like I'm not Michael Jordan. And if Michael Jordan had to figure that aspect out of this game, then I need to be proactive about doing that. And for being so young in his career to have already sort of figured out that that balance that needs to happen is critical for him. It says so much about Shay and his character, but it also speaks to the entire ethos of the team, right? Because every single person that we talk to 
Josh, Shay, Chet, no. every single one of them has that same mentality of I I know this is a this this is this has got to be a selfless act on all of our parts to make sure that we get to where we want to go. And I think back to the the preseason press conference that we had with Sam Presti and he had this this analogy of a mixing board, yeah. right? Like if you have a mixing board, you can't turn one guy up because it makes the rest of the band sound ba- bad, right? Like everybody has to yeah. find their right levels, their give, their take. And it's and Shay is obviously a very big leader on this team. And so for him to adopt that mentality and not just adopt it, but put it into practice every single game and every single practice really says a lot. And that has an effect on the rest of the team. And the the fascinating aspect of this in terms of the team building concept is if if a guy like Shea or if anybody in this position around the league, you think of players that are like this, who you know made an all NBA team, who are top five in the MVP voting, the more that those guys actually try to pull into themselves, the the worse it impacts team play. Right. The thing that Shea has figured out is the more that he is like this, the more that he is deferential when it makes sense inside the, this, the course of the game to be deferential when he's double teamed and triple teamed and he immediately and quickly gets off the ball that actually amplifies team success and it amplifies his own game. And that's why we saw such a big jump in wins last year and such a ascension in terms of, you know, sort of those individual accolades that, that Shea was able to get that Josh and, and other guys and J-Dub were able to get because they leaned into that style of play that the Thunder has really been trying to hone since 2020, since the last dance came out. Right. So as as the team gets better, Shea recognizes he gets better yeah. as well. But it only happens if you invest fully and buy in fully to what the team is doing. Right. And we see that time and time again with Shea. We know that he can go downhill and get a bucket anytime he wants to. He knows that he can call his own number at any point in the game, but that is not what's always best for the team. And as he continues to grow and gets downhill and things open up around the floor and he's surrounded by these shooters and like things just, the floor just opens up. So many opportunities open up and it's, it's what's best for the team there. Yeah. And it's, are you trying to win that night's game? Are you trying to win that play? Cause sure. If you want to win that play, then maybe you just press that same button over and over again. Mm -hmm. But no, the goal of NBA basketball is to win the largest set of games that you can possibly win. And then, you know, eventually down the line when this team is kind of ready and capable for that to win four series of games, you know, Mm -hmm. in a row. And so uh, as this team continues to build, that mindset has to be implemented right now. We've got to be putting that into place and extremely disciplined on that. And that's exactly what Shea was telling us in that quote. If Michael Jordan has to do it, then I've got to do it. That's right. I love that. (laughs) Put it on a t-shirt, please. All right. My quote is much, much shorter. He shoots. Who do you think I'm <laughs> talking <shoots>. about? <laughs> Who do you think that's in context to, Nick? <laughs> uh, Davis Bertans. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. This has been one of my... Guy, our guy shoots. Our yeah. guy shoots the ball. He shoots it very well, very efficiently, and very quickly. Okay, this has become my new favorite thing ever. And Nick, you know this because you sit right next to me during games. I have started to count how long it takes Davis to make a three-pointer after he checks into the game. Yeah, that stopwatch on your phone, you you better get it out too. When you're sitting at home watching the game or if you're in the arena, just click just, that thing. Just press yeah. start. Yeah. Just press start. It baffles me because other teams have to know. Right, this He's not a rookie. He's not right. young in the league. Like The book is out on him. When Davis steps onto the floor, he's going to shoot the ball. Yeah. That's his thing. He has the greenest of lights. The greenest yeah. of lights. Yeah. In every shooting metric, right? Yeah. <laughs> like. Off the couch, catch, off the dribble, you know, coming off, even off the couch. The man is in range to shoot the ball. 
against Detroit <laughs> in in Tulsa. It took Davis Bertans 12 seconds to make his first three-pointer. That's that's pretty good. 12 on a, on a points per second basis, that's pretty darn good. So efficient and yeah. just it it baffles me because I'm like, if he's in the game, you should know what he's yeah. gonna try to do. Anyway, getting back to the quote. So anytime we ask Mark Dagnall about Davis Bertans, it's like it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Like yeah. the man shoots. Yes. Yeah. He, he gets shoots the ball and he shoots. He it. shoots. Yeah. Right. So he'll have he had like four threes in a game and post game. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, asking him about the shots, and he's like, Yeah, that's that's pretty and now if he had five blocks, that would have been a story, like a different story. Yeah, yeah Mark <laughs> said like, he was in character. Yeah. yeah that's you know? Davis being Davis. And so I wanted to ask him in practice, you know, what do you see from Davis that allows him to be so efficient so quickly when he steps into the floor? And so I was like, you know, every time Davis gets into the game and he just cut me off completely, yeah. it's like, he shoots, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, very exactly. quickly. Exactly. <laughs> so this has been one of my favorite things so far this preseason. And obviously Davis is just such a tremendous addition to this roster. He knows what he does and he does it extremely well. He has honed it to the ability where he's just a master at it and mark eventually answered my question to the point where he was saying one he has great confidence in what he does but two his teammates have great confidence in him too because if his teammates didn't trust him and didn't have that confidence in him it would get really old the amount of like the types of shots that davis is shooting they would kind of like have a low tolerance for that but no one questions it because they know yeah, that guy, that guy's going to knock it down. Well, and it's not just confidence because you can have confidence in a guy's ability to score the basketball, but you also have to have love for that guy. Too. Yes. And yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. have love for him, then yeah. it gets really old really fast. Exactly. And so there's that great combination that already, this is a guy who's a newcomer. Mm-hmm. He's coming in, he's bounced around to a few different teams. There's a openness and a welcome, welcoming nature to this Thunder organization that these guys recognize, hey, like this is how this player and this person impacts winning. Right. Let's not get in the way of that by doing anything other than like pouring love into this guy and giving him confidence that when he has opportunities to impact winning, that he can go out and do that to the best of his abilities. As Mark said, they're not, you know, trying to put him in positions and hype him up right. to block five shots at the rim. That's not what Davis Bertans does to impact winning. Right. And so there's a really great understanding that this team has with one another. And as guys come into the league and into this Thunder program, they're all trying to find that. How do I impact winning? And then it's up to Mark and it's up to the team in the in the front office to figure out how all of that coalesces together and what lineups make sense. And Davis is a great example of that, of he has a strength. And when he comes into the game, he knows his strength, knows how to best maximize his strength within the team concept. Because another element of this that Mark said was, you know, Davis is a team guy like he's a team first guy he's not taking shots that i mean yes he takes some shots that are like wow really he's taking that shot but it's because he can and that's a strength of his but he's not going outside of what the the system that this team wants to play offensively and so i i i love it i I think (laughs) it brings me so much joy but to, to add some more substance to this it does show that davis is a really like already immediately like become a part of this team this team has really kind of embraced him um and plus it's really fun now to go into that practice facility and watch that three-point shooting game and see the different guys that are like in the running to win everything i mean lindy waters Mm -hmm. trey mann isaiah joe davis bertons take your pick who's it gonna be that day these these guys can really shoot it yeah and so i mean these are these are kind of the games inside of the games and 
the little subplots of the season that I mean, there's 82 games in this season. Yeah. Even teams themselves can get refueled and re-energized by new things. And during the course of a season, if you rolled out the same nine or 10 guys every single night for the exact same minutes, the season just becomes a grind. But when one night, Hey, it's Aaron Wiggins, the last, you know, seven minutes of a game, the last 12, you know, the last quarter of a game. And suddenly he's in and he's having the night of his life. Like that injects a shot of life into, into a team and into an organization in a way that actually kind of helps elevate the whole group. And it gives Trey Mann confidence that, Hey, the next time that this comes around for me, I'm ready to rock that, you know, when, you know, when Jay will has been not really in the rotation at all last year, and then it's game 60 and he's out there and he's a starter every night for the last 20 some games. It's like, Whoa, where did this come from? And it's and it breathes new life into the group. And it's it's fun to watch on yeah. our end too. We really enjoy it. And we saw a lot of this unfold throughout the preseason as well, different storylines and subplots yeah. and during training camp and preseason. And there are a few points that I want to talk about from that last game in Detroit. Just going back to Tulsa, A, very fun trip for the Thunder every single year to be able to go up to the BOK Center and play in front of that Tulsa crowd. It was a lot of fun up there. And Another really fun element happened right at tip-off where the Thunder started a very interesting starting lineup Yeah, that featured Chet Holmgren and Olivier Saar. And I was two seven-footers starting the game. But then, I think like around the second quarter, there was a different lineup where Usman Jang was the tallest player out there on the floor. And it just goes to show the wide variety of lineups and, you know, personnel decisions that Mark Dagnalt has at his yeah. disposal and is working on tweaking and ready to roll out throughout this regular season. This has been the vision for the last handful of years. It's players with versatility and a roster with flexibility. Yeah. Because there are, you know, 29 other teams that you've got to play every single night. Sometimes it, what you, again, if you're rolling out the same thing every night, that might not be the best thing for that opponent that night when you get into a playoff series with the team if you only have a fastball and can't throw a curveball can't throw a changeup, can't throw a slider then you could be in big trouble right. based on just how the seedings happen to roll out or who came out of the play-in tournament so having that roster flexibility is crucial and then having players that are versatile enough guy like j-dub or a guy like josh giddy who's six foot eight and also a point guard right they can shift up and down the lineup based on what you need and I mean, you and I were sitting courtside next to each other in Tulsa, and I just, I was cackling. I was like, this has got to be the first time ever that Chet Holmgren has not been at the center circle for the jump ball. Literally. You know? <laughs> like, 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 did he, he even know where to game. go? <laughs> right. He's like, wait, I got to stand over here? There's no way right. that somebody has been on his team and taller than him or just as tall as him yeah. in the center circle. And it was Olivier Saar who was, uh, who was at midcourt. And I just thought, what a great example of the ways in which this team yeah. can have a different identity when it needs to. And I, yeah. I thought it was interesting post-game. Obviously, Mark Dagnall was asked about this because it's the first time we've seen Chet Holmgren next to Olivier Saar. But it was really an opportunity for Coach to, to see Chet with another big. You know, yeah. that could have been Jay Will. That could have been, you know, Poku. And so it, it was really interesting. And he was explaining that it, it's a good opportunity to try to get, you know, Chet in out of those pick-and-roll situations so he's more of a help defender to be able to protect yeah. the rim. And I was I, he broke it down really really in an interesting way. And I was, I was thinking to myself of all of the options that he like yeah. he's thinking through if Chet isn't necessarily on the primary action on, in that sort of pick and roll situation. Yeah. And I should correct myself. I, I said a different identity. And what I meant is more of a, a different scheme or a mm-hmm. different tactic 
when you have a different set of personnel out there, right? And you can go to different things based on what's needed and required in the game. And to your point, you know, we got to check and see what Chet looks like as this off-ball defender. Yeah. We got to check and see what Usman Jang looks like as a role man, mm-hmm. as, you know, effectively the five on the court as well. So to be able to see those things and get actual data on that, extremely valuable when you know that you want to play an overarching style and identity of basketball. But within that, what are the wrinkles and what are the nuances that you can go to to try to impact winning on the margins? You mentioned Usman Jang, and I want to I want to dig into this a little bit more because he was part of the closing lineup of this game, mm-hmm. which was important because it was the fourth <laughs> preseason game that came down to one possession, yeah. basically. It was another very close game for the Thunder. Four out of their five games came down to one possession. And this was a, this was a two-point game. And... Kaysen Wallace, Usman Jang came up with a really big play down the stretch, got a steal in the backcourt, finished the layup, and the next thing you know, it's a two-point game. And coach is calling timeouts. And this was just for guys like Uz, guys like Kaysen, a rookie, this is experience that you can't replicate in practice and experience that you can only learn through by going through it. And so for it to be a preseason game, I could only imagine the value of that. And especially for, you know, Coach Dagnalt, who's been, you know, developing guys over his last really since he got to be a head coach in the NBA to think to himself, okay, cool. Awesome. Great. Like this is going to be great film that we can go (laughs) back over this weekend in practice. Yeah. You can't replicate those situations. I mean, even when you try to scrimmage in practice, you're not going to get that situation all the time. And so Mm -hmm. uh, for these guys to be able to go through all of that and to have the like put up or shut up time of like, you got to go dive on the floor for a loose ball. If you want to even have a chance at a last, last second shot in this game. And, you know, the, the, again, we were talking about, do you want to win this one game or do you want to try to win the set of as many games as you possibly can? Well, like having those experiences and then having some other experiences where you actually do come out on the right side of it. It's like, it puts all of those late game moments into perspective. And I think about over the course of time here in Oklahoma city, you know, we've had players here at the thunder who have suffered devastating losses at the end of games and they've had amazing game winning shots but they had enough of them over a long enough course of time with the same players and same teammates that there were some, some of those shared scars and there were some of those shared memories yeah. that, that muscle memory of like, here's how we do it. Here's how we get ourselves into those positions. This team has already started developing that muscle. It has the most 15 point comeback wins yeah. of any team over the last you know three or four years. They are always up there in, the, in terms of top, you know, top five in terms of double digit come from behind wins over the last three seasons they are getting those reps. And so it's just a matter of like a guy like Usman being put in those situations as well. Mm-hmm. Kaysen getting put in those situations in addition. Yeah. And the Thunder fell short in this one, but that wasn't the point, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the point is that they go through it. They find ways to, you know, take experiences, go into the, the, the film room the next day and really break down, okay, here's why this didn't work or Case, and that's exactly what we need in that yeah. sort of moment. Like, those are the sort of lessons that you can only get by going through those experiences. And really, the fun started after the game <laughs> for the Thunder. Because, okay, for us, for us, yeah, the fun started after the game. And it, this just goes to show, like, how close this team is, how much they love each other. The, the post-game interviews in this game were absolute to, to use your word hilarity hilarity ensued yes, <laughs> yes. yeah it, it most certainly did it started off you know pretty normal yeah um i mean mark dagnall got a few little uh zings in a couple post game he always does that. i asked him about michich and you know i said <laughs> you know he's got he had racked up 
24 assists in 75 minutes of the preseason. I kind of just pose that. I mean, this is a guy who's coming over from Europe. Yep. He hasn't really played with a lot of these guys yet. To be able to get his teammates in the mix already that quickly, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's pretty impressive. You know, toss some numbers Mark's way. And he said, well, all it says to me is if he played 150 minutes, he'd have 48 assists. So, like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, thank, you, thank you for the math, Mark. I appreciate that. It was very nice. Very quick math. And I think he had another another little Someone asked him about yeah. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Another he shoots. He shoots. Yeah. Kind of yeah. similar. Do, Davis similar doing situation. what Davis does. So we got through Mark and then we almost got through all of Josh, Josh Giddy. Mm-hmm. And then bam, <laughs> the door flings open. Join interview. Join yeah. interview. <laughs> That's just what we hear from the back. And it's Chet and it's J-Dub and it's J-Will. J-Will didn't even play in the game. He's been dealing <laughs> with a hamstring. And they came and busted in on Josh's interview. It was it was so wholesome. It was And Chet was standing on one side. J-Dub was standing on the other side. And of course, the very next question in Josh's interview was, so... How did you think Chet and J Dub played today? <laughs> Immediately, terrible, yeah, awful, just real bad, <laughs> just so yeah. bad. Yeah. Just like, all right, we'll we'll try to do better next time. And so, I think we managed to get through the rest of Josh's yeah. interview. I don't think people had many more questions after that. He hopped up and left, and then both J Dub and Chet sat down and. Probably the most wholesome moment out of the whole interview. There there were a couple of really highlight moments, but the most wholesome for me, someone was asked, uh, did you ask Chet the question? I forget who asked Chet the question, but it was about, you know, playing with guys and, you know, playing on ball, yeah. off ball, being selfless out there. And he's like, you know, it's just really easy to play with great players. And then J-Dub just goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he wasn't expecting his teammate no. to say something great about him. You know, they've been they've been ribbing each other this whole time. Right. It's like, yeah. Um, no, that was very it, it had just gotten sweet. so quiet too. Yeah. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And you know, J Dub was really, you know, he was kind of acting as if he was a part of the media most of the time, just reacting to what Josh was saying, reacting to what Chet was saying. <laughs> um, so you know, he really provided some some great um secondary interaction mm-hmm. there. Jay Will did not come to the podium. He didn't play that night. He stood in the back and then he waited his turn to the whole interview. Yeah, yeah to, to get a question in. And he really wanted to know whether either J Dub or Chet had gotten a dog or gotten a present for his dog Zeus's birthday, which was coming up uh, this past week. And the guys had two days of practice, but J Will was going to make sure that there was time to celebrate Zeus's birthday. Uh, neither Chet or J Dub had anything already purchased, nothing in there carts uh on their online shopping so uh they had some work to do on friday the off day yeah there there was clearly um chet started started off answering with next question that was his immediate response but yeah i'm I'm curious to see what happened over that weekend jay will was was kind of offended a little uh we walked out of the room very quickly he said man this is crazy i cannot believe (laughs) that you guys forgot about my dog's birthday I know these guys really want to get their dogs all together. They talk about it all the they time do. about how they need some neutral turf, you know, to have their their dog football game or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But J Dub's dog and Chet's dog were both invited to Zeus's birthday yes. party. Yes. Yeah. And uh J Dub made it very clear that that his dog needs to be outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite potty trained yet. So needs some outdoor space for J Dub's dog. J Will's wanting to rescind that invitation. <laughs> well, now that I know. <laughs> All right, so we've got to get into this interview with yeah. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now uh, we had an incredible chance to talk to him earlier, and uh, we talked about his hard work and his work ethic, and we get into that a lot in this interview. So stick around after this break, and we'll get into it with Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
Coop L Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. We are now joined by Shay Gilgis Alexander. Shay, I, I want to start here. First of all, how are you doing? You doing good? Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we know how hard you work all the time in the off season. You're always in the gym, particularly in the off season. Do your friends and family do they think you're crazy for how much you're in the gym? Um, I, at one point they did, um, but I think they see the work paying off and, and they're starting to understand. I mean. Do you even get to see them very often with how often they're in there? Yeah, um, I try to carve out time. Um, but yeah, uh, with this profession, it's very hard. And uh, I, I, I definitely make an emphasis to cut out time for them just because those are my people and there's a balance that you have to find. Um, but yeah, I, I, I figure it out. Well, we see the benefits of it clearly when you're out here. But speaking of finding the balance, you work on so much stuff. Every time you come back, you're always like, I just wanted to work on everything, being a better player. How do you kind of split your time between your skill work, athleticism, strength? What does that look like for you? Um, usually I go, I go like a two, three times a day. Um, and each workout has like a different emphasis. Um, and then I get in a rhythm of things um, and it usually starts to flow. Um, but everything is specific um, to my game, what I want to accomplish. Um, yeah, it just, it's specific to me. So it, it, it helps me in every way, whether it's strengthening, whether it's flexibility, whether it's, um, my role on the team and, and how I get my touches, um, everything I do is specific to the basketball player I am. There's a difference between working really hard and then working really smart, you know, in the off season, making sure you're using your time really wisely. It seems like you've, you've honed that. Was that a lesson that you, you had to learn throughout your NBA career? Yeah. Um, there's definitely a, a balance that you have to find um, in, in working the most you can without uh, causing injury, um, mm -hmm. causing stress in your body. Um, and there's periods of time throughout the summer where you can attack it more and go through more stress because you have more time to recover. Um, but, but yeah, you, you kind of have to find a balance. It's, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, when, you're, when you're a younger guy, it's something you need to figure out. Um, having a summer that's so long, it's the first time you have a summer that long um, in your whole life, really. It's like six months. Um, but yeah, you, you figure it out as you go through it. And uh, I think I've, I figured it out. Speaking of spending time in the summer, you had an awesome opportunity representing Team Canada again this summer. What was that experience like for you, considering how far you guys made it, got the bronze medal this year? Yeah, it was super fun. Um, just playing with the guys that I grew up with that are on the same journey as me, going to the NBA, being from Canada. Uh, it was a super fun experience. Um, and then achieving in, um, history uh, kind of the cherry on top. What sort of lessons can a guy like you learn from that sort of experience? Different coach, different teammates, different environment, different basketball even. What what can you what can you gain from that? Yeah, just doing whatever it takes and finding out ways to win, um, I think is the, the biggest lesson. Every experience, every um, every kind of every like chapter episode is gonna have its different challenges and it's gonna be easier in different ways. Um, just figuring those things out, navigating them. And at the end of the day, figuring out how to win is, is, is the name of the game. 
different ways to win, different lessons from from those sort of experiences. I want to switch gears a little bit. We, we know that your dad had a huge influence on you in, in basketball at an early age. Can you describe that for us? Yeah, um, I was always, we were always playing basketball, me and my brother and my cousins. Um, we always had a ball in our hand. We were always outside um, on the nets, playing one-on-one, -on -one, playing two-on-two -two with kids in the neighborhood, whatever it was. We were always playing. Um, we kind of got like a natural feel for the game because of it, because we always had it in our hands, because we were always figuring stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, and then our work ethic just carried over. Um, and it was something that both of my parents instilled in, in, in myself and my younger brother and my cousins that if you want something to work at it, you got to go get it. Um, and I think that's something that we, it's just a great business now. Are there any specific memories from playing outside or playing in Hamilton? Um, there's so many. It's, it's so many specific memories to where they're all they're all the same. <laughs> um, but there's so many times we we were outside, and it would result into almost fight because we're so competitive, or we're playing in the rain, um, can't feel our fingers because it's getting cold. So many things, um, kind of life experiences that that created who we are today. What was your dad like as a player? What was he best at? Um, he likes to say defense. Um, he's that's where he, he hangs his hat defensively. Um, but yeah, I he can't guard me. Did he did he teach know. you anything? Any any aspects of your game that um, you would say thanks, Dad? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he he his his big thing was always like controlling what you can control. Um, so defense is one of those things you can always control your effort. You can always control. Um, the little things, the focus, the being in the right spots. Um. It's, a lot harder to control whether the ball goes in 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 the net or not. Um, so just focus on the little things, and the rest will take care of itself. It going into your role on this team. Obviously, you've been such a strong leader for this group, and over the course of your career, that's that's kind of grown a little bit more each and every year. What goes into the art of leadership, especially over the course of a long season? A lot of ups, lots of downs, and obviously a lot of guys on this team. Yeah, um, I think. Figuring out your own way to lead. Um, I think the most important thing is being authentic in it. And when it's not, it's hard to lead. Um, being authentic and being yourself through trying to be a leader um, is the biggest thing. And then um, just embracing it um, and, and, and trying to be better at it. Uh, if you do those, I think those three things, you'll, you'll end up a pretty good leader in a short amount of time. Um, but yeah, first is, is being authentic. How would you describe your leadership style? Um, a lot of it is through example. Um, not the loudest guy, not a screamer. Um, but yeah, I like to lead through example. Um, I think that's any, anyone can say anything, um, but to, to go out there and do it is what, what really matters. So I, I try to lead through that. You're also a pretty big student of the game. We know you always watch film, you're always watching basketball. If you, when you watch great players, What's kind of the through line that you see among all of those guys? Um, I would say unwavering confidence. Um, the best guys have unwavering confidence in, in no matter what situation it is. Um, and I also think like a self-awareness. Uh, like they know, they know what they do, what they want to accomplish. Um, 
every single night. They try to go out there and do it. Um, they live with the results. I think if you, I think like where, where guys get caught up is, is trying to step outside your box to accomplish what you want. Um, when eventually you could get outside your box, but you have to build up there. And every night it starts with knowing what you do mm-hmm. and doing that at a very high level. And I think the best players in the NBA do so. It, obviously, you're going into year six, so you've had time to learn this, hone this. How have you evolved as a as a playmaker, a physical playmaker, as a confident player out there on the floor? I, I, I use every experience as a learning experience, um, whether it's good or bad. Um, so many games. There's this, so many games that you look back and you say, if I did this, this, and this, I could have won. Um, and I try to I try to take that seriously, and I try to focus on this, this, and this, or whatever it is that I think would help myself and the team win in that situation. And I just try to I try to get better at that. All right, I'm switching gears a little bit. I want to talk about your hometown, sure. Hamilton. If someone's never been, tell us about Hamilton. What's it like? Yeah, um, it's quiet. Um, Hamilton is kind of like on a mountain, not on a mountain, but like it, a mountain's in Hamilton. So like you can live up the mountain or down the mountain. Um, so there's nice scenery. You can look over the mountain and see the city. Um, it's not too much going on. Um, it's kind of like a, a blue collar city. Um, people work hard. Um, nine to five, go out, to, go throughout their day, come back home. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a hardworking city. If we were going to Hamilton right now, where would we need to go? What, what what were the spots that we would need to go to get the full Hamilton experience? Um, hmm, good question. Um, Tim Hortons in the morning for breakfast. Um, I don't know. I would say like for me, I would I would say like visiting like the high schools. Um, that like the I think like that that range of like fourteen to like seventeen eighteen year olds is like the identity of Hamilton. Um, like that's where you get the most personality, um, the most culture, um, and it's very diverse. So you see a bunch of like different people. Um, so like through the high schools, I would think the heart of the city is in yeah. its teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. All right. Um, do you remember when you fell in love with the game of basketball? Um, I don't remember the exact moment. Um, I've always loved it. Like, like it's uh, from, from as early as I can remember, I've always loved it. I've always watched basketball. I've always aspired to be a basketball player. I've always wanted to be an NBA. Like I, I, I don't remember the exact moment where it, like it clicked for me. That's okay. Last thing for you. As you enter into your sixth year, how has your game day routine changed? Um, it has not changed at all. It's been consistent. Yeah, once I figured out my rookie year what works, it's pretty much the same thing. What is it? Um, like I go to shoot around, come back home, nap, get up, eat, head to the arena, get treatment, um, get on the court. Come back off the court, eat again, um, then activate, and then team film, then warm-ups. So consistency is key for you, as long as it's the same every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Shay, thank you so much for taking the time. Always great talking to you. Me too. Awesome. 
it is always such a pleasure to be able to sit down with Shea Gilgis Alexander and get into his mind of how he works. The very first question off the top, it was a joke, right? <laughs> does do your family does your family think you're crazy for like how much you're in the gym? You you opened up the podcast about the anecdote of him spending yeah. 30 extra minutes after practice had in, ended. Mind you, it was not an easy practice. It wasn't just like a walkthrough no. sort of practice. They got after it Full this weekend. Full on scrimmages this weekend. Full yeah. on scrimmages this weekend. Tough practices. And 30 minutes later, Shea Gildas-Alexander is still going hard. He's the only one on the floor, surrounded by three coaches, getting after it and getting into his mindset, his approach, where this work ethic came from. That was so fascinating to me. And it really just opened my eyes to the kind of person that this guy is. Well, you did a fantastic job with Thank the interview you. and really helped, you know, illuminate his thought process. The thing that I really took away was uh, his conversation about uh, having unwavering confidence mm -hmm. and that that's what he's noticed about what the great players all have in common. And he's he studies these guys. I mean, we talked about the Michael Jordan comment earlier. Yep. Like, this is something that he takes very seriously in terms of cultivating the right mindset, the right approach, and the right way that he has to attack every day in order to elevate himself and elevate his team. And so um, his understanding of that deep, true confidence that he has to have to be willing to live with the results, if it's a bad result, not just that night, yeah. not just that week or month, but you know, in this game, in, in the NBA, you're going to have to live with the results of a bad season. You're going to have to live with the results of a season where – you play great all year, and like Milwaukee last year, you have a, a really bad first round, and it just and nothing goes the right way. Mm -hmm. But it, for for guys like Shea, it is a long career, and to be able to see the big picture of that and to be able to have unwavering confidence through that, absolutely critical. That was such a fascinating answer. I was yeah. not expecting that. But when I asked that, I thought he was going to say, oh, you know – they all work really hard or they have counters to counters, you know, or, you know, they all do a lot of different things on the floor. <laughs> Unwavering confidence yeah. was the thing that came out of his mouth. And I think if any young player is watching this, like you, you should really be taking notes on what Shea says. Uh, even his thoughts on, you know, the art of leadership, I thought was just so fascinating of like, it comes down to just being authentic and yeah. just being yourself. And that's what we see from Shea as a leader. He leads by example. He's not out there, you know, chirping and yelling all the time. He really just sticks to what he does and does it consistently. And we see that from all the guys on this roster yeah, too. Shea is the real deal. As, yeah. a, as a human being, in addition to as a player, uh, just another little anecdote. Again, you're talking about leadership. You're talking about like, being authentic and true to yourself. Just to wrap up our conversation about Tulsa, Shea out there pregame before before that game, he was not playing mm -hmm. that night, spent at least 20 minutes going as, through as many places he possibly could in the arena, signing autographs. This seems like a yearly tradition that he does. Mm -hmm. It's like one, at least one of the preseason games, he just spends as much time as possible signing autographs. He knows, I mean, Shea is extremely aware of what, a trip up to Tulsa means to the people up in that city. You know, obviously it's not something the Thunder can do multiple times throughout the season in, on regular season games. So this preseason chance is an opportunity for so many of these fans to see him one time yeah. and see this team one time. And we really felt that love from the crowd in Tulsa. So a big shout out. Thank you to everybody that came out to the BOK Center. Lots of people stopping us and Chris yeah. and Michael and obviously, you know, adoring uh, the players that were out there as well. So it, it's always really nice to get that embrace. Can I add to that anecdote on Shay? Yeah. I just remembered it when you started talking about this. I was walking out after our pregame interviews, going out to the arena to find our seats and, you know, get, you know, acclimated. 
And as I'm walking through the tunnel, Shay is running back. He's barefoot and he's got like his shoe in inserts and he's just like running with them, like clapping them. Like, and I'm like, Hey Shay. He's like, Hey bears. And just runs by me barefoot with (laughs) his shoe inserts. And I'm like, okay, that's a weird thing. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's got some unorthodox pregame routine, you know, shoot barefoot. You know, that would be something Shay would do. Right. Yeah. But no, I get out there and I see this group of kids. They're from the Tulsa Dream Center, which is a, a nonprofit up in Tulsa that the Thunder actually went and visited earlier that day. They brought the book bus. They gave away free books and then invited the kids to the game. The kids were sitting in the front row and I see there's 20 of them and one kid on this end, one kid on the other end, and they're each holding one of Shay's nice. shoes and they're nice. signed. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. And he's like, okay, I got to take these inserts out so I can put them in my next shoe. But I was just like, that goes to show like he really was like giving everything back yeah. to these these fans in Tulsa who took all this time out to be able to see him for maybe the only time that year. Right. I just thinking about our equipment guy, Wilson Taylor. He's, his head's got to be spinning, <laughs> figuring out who's giving away their shoes, who has all their gear. Yeah. Wait, does, does this guy even have his jersey still? Do I need to go find another one for him? Uh, so shout out to Wilson. Shout out Wilson <laughs> yeah. and shout out Shay. Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time for the interview. All right, let's get into the regular season, which is right around the corner. The Thunder is taking off tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday, October 23rd. So the team takes off tomorrow to head up to Chi-Town, the Windy City, to go take on the Bulls. And this starts the 82-game stretch for the Thunder. Well, the Thunder's roster is set. That Mm -hmm. was something that every team had to to get down to 15 roster guys and only three two-way players. And so the Thunder made a couple transactions, um, traded away Jeremiah Robinson Earl um, and Victor Oladipo, who was on the the team, and then waived Jack White as well. So Thunder down to 15. So many developmental players on this roster. Three two-way guys who all have good chances of actually playing NBA minutes as well. When you just look at how much experience they have and, Mm -hmm. and just their bodies at this point, their, their NBA ready bodies. So um, very exciting to be heading into a year, relatively clean health. There's some guys that are still um, cleaning up, you know, we know Poku and Kenrich and, and Jay will um, still trying to, you know, kind of work back from some things, but nothing Mm -hmm. long-term. And you're going to need as many bodies as you can get because these first two games right out of the shoot, it's at Chicago, at Cleveland, yep. two of the biggest, most physical front lines. Uh, when you think about uh, Vucevic in, in Chicago, and you think about Pat Williams in Chicago yeah. as the foreman there, I mean, he's a big, big dude. And then Cleveland, I mean, you got Twin Towers there in, um, in terms of Jared Allen and um, Evan Mobley. So that that mm-hmm. is uh, a big test for this young team right out, out of the gates. It's the beauty of the NBA. Every game yep. is going to be a test and you hit the ground running. There's no easing into this 82 game schedule and the Thunder. We've heard from a lot of players in Coach Dagnall just about their comfort level heading into the season. They don't know what the season is going to have in store for them, right? Where they'll end up, what things are going to look like. But they have a lot of comfort in the guys they have in their locker room and how they approach adversity, how they approach the season and the process that they want to stick to as a team. And so because of that, they're really excited to get going. Yeah, they understand that in order to get to where they want to be at the end of the year, they have to invest in what they've invested in all month. And I thought J-Dub had an amazing comment. Um, There's some national folks that came in um, over the the couple weeks of the preseason. And, you know, when, when those people come in, they're always trying to kind of get a a higher level, bigger picture view of what's going on with the team. And J-Dub did an amazing job of, of answering a question just about 
how this this team right now, their focus has to be on the day-to-day. Because if they start thinking too big picture about what what does this look like at the end of the season or where do we want to be, what what tangible things are we trying to aim for? Well, that completely diverts your attention and takes your eye off the ball of what you need to do that night in that night's game. And if all they're focused on is just getting better incrementally day by day, they'll get to where they want to go. We saw that last year. Yep. And everybody, the, the team got to a place that nobody thought that it could get to. Uh, we I think we talked about the comment of like a 7% chance that a team could jump 16 yep. wins in one year. And a lot of individual guys got accolades that, you know, many people, many prognosticators wouldn't didn't mm-hmm. think that they were going to be able to get to. So when you live by that process, you give yourself a chance for the team results and the personal results, and you don't have to aim for them directly. I'm really glad you brought that up because this mentality that the Thunder has adopted, it's not new. It didn't start this preseason, right? Yeah. Like this is the mentality they had in 2020, 2021, 2022 last season, and this season as well. And what we're seeing right now are the fruits of sticking to that mentality and that approach over the course, consistently over the course yeah. of those years. And so sets up for a really exciting season. So let's get into what's on tap for the okay. Thunder. We talked about it. Next game, it's the regular season opener in Chicago against the Bulls. That game is going to be on October 25th. That is at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then the team takes off from Chicago to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. That game's going to be on Friday the 27th. That's right. So a quick two-game road trip. And then I think it's six straight games at home yeah. after that, including a date with the defending champs that Sunday. So you're definitely going to want to be here at Paycom Center at on Sunday PM afternoon. Tip. Right. Yes. Very good. Yeah. We like those. I'm two ready for two. that. Yeah. We like those <laughs> early tip-offs for sure. So, um, yeah, it, very exciting stuff, obviously, yeah. that this team is going to get a chance to very quickly have a bunch of experiences, roll it back out there and try to learn from them very quickly. These first four games are going to be past us in a heartbeat and we're going to have so much to talk about next week. Once the season gets rolling, you blink and then it's just halfway over. So enjoy the ride while it's happening and be sure to come back to the Thunder Basketball Universe. We've got you covered. We'll be at every single game. So we'll keep you up to date on everything that you need to know. All right. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to Shea Gildas Alexander. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, Thunder up and catch you later.